Welcome back to the Lime Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. This is a place that we bring together the world's leading experts in all things health and wellness to help you optimize your mind, body, and movement. Today's conversation is with my dear friend, Dr. Terry Walls, and we get into all sorts of fascinating directions, including how to boost your immune system, which is such a big, relevant topic these days. Uh, so we go in uh, much more than that. We also go into a lot about the mind-body connection and her journey working through MS and uh, is she has a very powerful story or several very powerful stories that she shared. Dr. Terry is a New York Times bestselling author and she has the revised version of the Walls Protocol that is out, I think it's in a couple of days. Uh, it's really fantastic book, one of the most meaningful books that you could possibly find in and around uh, treating any form of chronic autoimmune condition. And just generally living a healthy lifestyle. Optimizing brain function is a big part of it. Uh, thank you guys so much for starting the five-day movement challenge that's found at alignpodcast.com. If you are experiencing any kind of back pain, neck pain, uh, shoulder stiffness, hip stiffness, anything of the sort, that five-day movement challenge is a great place to start. It's absolutely free. It's at alignpodcast.com. And then from there, if you're interested, you can go deeper into the also absolutely free seven-day free trial of the Align Method online program, which is the addendum to the Align Method book, essentially. So something that would be quite valuable in this time of boosting our immune systems, you can find in there, would be a variety of breath practices. So we go into several different ones that are helpful with calming your nervous system, boosting immune function, and a general reset for your body. So all those guys can be found. One of them in particular is in the seven day free trial. So you can start that guy. If you're into it, you'll get the Align Band, which is a heavy duty resistance band, comes with the door anchor, and we are relaunching the whole program. I know I said this last week, but we're really actually launching it this week. Uh, we push things forward a little bit. So that is coming out this Wednesday. I know you guys are gonna devour that thing. It all can be found at alignpodcast.com slash align method, A-L-I-G-N method. And uh, it's also found at the Align Podcast Instagram page. Thanks for reviews on iTunes. Thanks for loving your life. Thanks for uh, staying positive in this interesting time. Your positivity is contagious. And sometimes all it can take to boost someone's spirits, i.e. their immune system, because it's all tied up, is a smile. So it is important to realize that uh, panic is contagious and um, that's not what people need. Uh, it's valuable to maybe do some elbow bump dabs instead of shaking hands or sneezing on, on each other. Uh, maybe don't kiss your grandma or if someone seems sickly, uh, maybe don't be coughing on that person. Um, if you are a young, healthy, robust, individual or just a healthy robust individual in general um, things aren't so much of a concern from my understanding and uh, but it's also helpful to be respectful to people that aren't in a healthy situation that's all i got on that i think we are ready to go back to the scheduled programming dr terry yeah. okay so we're here in the sauna and um, I wanted to continue my thanks to you because you were one of my primary inspirations for writing my own dang book. 
Like, I'm so glad. Whenever that was. That was probably, I don't know how long ago, four uh, years ago or something. That in would be about right, yeah. Yeah. And so that was a huge inspiration for me. And uh, yeah, it's amazing how time moves. And here we are. Mm-hmm. Now we're here promoting your book coming up in, what is the release date? Uh, March 17th. March 17th. Coming Very soon, exciting. yeah. Yeah. What is this? So what was the inspiration for the, the latest book? Well, uh, you know, my original book, The Walsh Protocol, has uh, been followed by so many folks. But the research has moved on. We have more to tell, uh, and I wanted to update all of that uh, in the book. Mm. Uh, so we've added about 30% new material, uh, and it's you know exciting to see that there has been so much progress about the mechanisms of why diet matters, how diet influences our immune cells, yeah. how diet influences our neurotransmitters, how diet influences um, gene expression. So all those things that the neuro neurology community were so concerned that I was talking about in 2014, they are now saying, yes, we need to be addressing all of these things for our patients. Uh, so uh, that's gratifying. And I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to explain uh, the advances. Mm. Can you go, because the last time we had you on this podcast was, I don't know how long ago, two years ago or something like that. Can you yeah. give people just a quick background on, on why you're so interested in all this stuff? Oh, yeah. So uh, people may not be aware that I have MS myself uh, and had become, uh, I was diagnosed in 2000 and uh, saw the best people, took the newest drugs, but went relentlessly downhill. Uh, within three years, I'm in a tilt recline wheelchair. Hmm. I'm having severe fatigue. I'm taking even more potent drugs. I continue to go relentlessly downhill. Uh, I also have trigeminal neuralgia, uh, which is electrical uh, face pains that were more frequent, more severe, and m- more and more difficult to turn off. Hmm. Um, so as, as it was uh, increasingly apparent that the best drugs from the best people were unlikely to stop my decline to a bedridden demented life, possibly living with uncontrolled pain, I said, man, I got to do everything that I can. Uh, So I start reading the basic science. I'm reading all these animal model articles about MS. uh, And I start reading animal model articles about other progressive neurologic problems, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, Huntington's disease, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Uh, And I decide that mitochondria are key. uh, And I begin taking a supplement contact cocktail to help my mitochondria. I wonder during that time where you were starting to, um, were you starting to accept that your future was bedridden and demented? Well, I, I thought, it, I mean, my uh, neurology team, and I've been seeing them you know, now for seven years, and we're very clear that, uh, or as in the progressive phase of the illness, that functions once lost were going to be gone. They would not be coming back. There were no more spontaneous recoveries. Hmm. And I, you know, I had seen that my face pains had been getting steadily worse over 27 years. My MS symptoms had been steadily worse over seven years. And so I could see the trajectory, and it was steadily worse, uh, both for my uh, fatigue, uh, my muscle weakness, and my uh, uh, forcing pain. On the other hand, you know, I have these two young kids. And so, you know, I'd been a former athlete. Uh, fortunately, I, I knew that um, I needed to keep working out, even though my workouts kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And that whatever choices I made, my kids were watching every day. And so I could model giving up and despair. Or I could model that, yep, life's not fair. So what? 
you get up and do you do your best you can. I wonder for people listening presently, I want like something that I go through with some degree of regularity. Right now I'm kind of like on purpose, you know, I have this book yeah. and I have all these things and like I have to show up for that, kind of like your family yeah. in a sense. Yes. So I have this kind of like family that I've kind of created in a way. And so I, I feel like I'm on this track which makes me feel some of like the inner demons will kind of tone down when I have some objective going on. Yes, uh, yes. You know, but I wonder for those moments that maybe many people listening are familiar with of like moments of feeling, you know, disconnected or like what's the point of life or what's the point of all this pain or what's the point of all this, you know, where, what kind of like, what have you gathered from that experience of being in like the deep dark end of that well, spectrum? All that pain, even my face pain, I now see as this tremendous gift. Mm. And my uh, MS and disability as a profound gift because I had to go through all of that to be willing to study all the basic science, do all the learning that I did through my own research and the discovery of the Institute for Functional Medicine, Ancestral Health, Evolutionary Biology, Behavior Change Psychology. I had to experience all of that to learn what I know now to save my own health and now teach others how to do that. And so all that suffering that I did that was so difficult. I now has new meaning for me that the face pain actually is this tremendous gift because it's this tremendous biosensor I have of how my physiology is working, what my inflammation levels is like. Yep. And if the sensation in my face is a little off, I know that's a warning sign that my inflammation's going up, my environment's not as optimal. And if I don't attend to that quickly, my face pain will turn back on. Mm. So it's given me tremendous insight. So I have this continuous monitor of my brain inflammation levels by my face pain. I always wonder with like what, uh, with the function of our neurochemistry or the bacteria in our microbiome or any of these things that, you know, we see exercise affects these things and mood affects these things. And these things affect our mood and our inclination to exercise. I always wonder... Uh, what's like the the root of something like autoimmune disease is an interesting question of like where does this come from is it purely environmental could there be some psychosomatic component to it is it kind of typically a combination of well, things well you know it is pretty interesting if you look at uh, adverse childhood experiences the more adverse childhood experiences you have the higher the risk of developing an autoimmune problem hmm. uh, so what is it about those aces that changes our physiology. We, we know that apparently as you experience ACEs, we do have changes in our microbiome. We also have some changes uh, in our brain, uh, which comes first, I, we don't really know. Uh, and my guess is it's deeply interconnected. Yeah. Deeply interconnected, w which may be for, uh, why for some people, as they're going through their healing journey in their autoimmunity, I, I raise the question, who do you have to forgive? Hmm. And, and you know, certainly part of uh, my process, uh, one of the people I had to forgive was myself um, for you know all the uh, poor decisions I made growing up at various times. We, I did some things, like uh, everyone, that you later deeply regret and realize that was um, did not define uh, a very good character. What were the flavor of the decisions, if you don't mind? What was that? What were the flavor of the decisions? Well, um, not having good insights about uh, relationships huh. uh, and uh, 
uh, you know, a person I was involved with uh, for a long time. I didn't know how to manage that relationship well. And I had some uh, poor insight and didn't know how to deal with that. Hmm. And it took a long time to uh, process that regret and forgive myself for, you know, I was, I was a young kid. I, I didn't know any better. And I, I shouldn't hate myself for the next 20 years over it. Mm-hmm. took a long time to realize that you're just a young kid. There's no need to be hating yourself. Let so go. you had to put some form of, you put things, the factors into a bucket. How much would you weigh, how much value or weight would the regret or shame or emotional kind of background bucket be compared to the nutritional, compared to the environmental? You know, I, I think the uh, nutrition uh, and the environmental uh, was huge. And I think that's probably, I think, more important. But the other thing that, that I've come to realize as I get further and further into this, that addressing these psychosocial factors, uh, uh, such as the shame, the regret, the forgiving of self, forgiving of others, so you can let go to a place of greater joy mm-hmm. uh, and a more meaningful life. Um, so it, it wasn't step one. But it absolutely needed to happen. Or maybe it was step one. Because, uh, you know, in retrospect, um, when I had my uh, son, that is when I finally forgave myself. And I realized, like, you know, all the screw-ups I did earlier, though I may have regretted them, they allowed me to evolve, to become the person that I was. And that all needed to happen exactly that way in order to get to have this beautiful boy in my life. Hmm. And so that was the moment where I, I forgave myself for my, all the previous screw-ups that I did. Yeah, uh, then of course I would continue to develop problems, had my daughter and then became diagnosed with MS. But I do think that that forgiveness piece was an important thing to have happened. Yeah. Now, later as I recovered from MS and began to really improve, my insights about the importance of forgiveness and reflection and meaning in life became more and more important. And, you know, part of the of my drive to do all of my basic science reading and then reading with uh, functional medicine and ancestral health where where my two kids who are watching me like okay I gotta keep doing everything I can I I, I can't stop I can't give up even if I can't recover I can slow the disease down yeah Uh, and so that purpose is so important and then when I started uh, using this in my clinics in the traumatic brain injury clinic in the primary care clinic I learned from my vets that helping them tap into what they want their health for, what is their purpose, what is their big goal, and then helping them and you know, ask the question, are you ready to improve your health so we can work in that, achieving that goal, and what the next step would be. It, it actually turned out to be incredibly effective at getting these cantankerous old vets men and women, to start eating these radical things known as vegetables, mm. to actually begin eating liver, yeah. uh, to get rid of the sugar in the processed foods. And uh, the resident physicians who are watching me are like, uh, were impressed with the skill that we had talking to vets about linking food to health and helping people discover their inner motivation to begin making these big changes. Yeah. I have a sneaky suspicion that a large part of the food that we consume is a symptom of our own self-worth and our all mm-hmm. our own identity structure of who we are what kind of person am i you know am i a, a organic 
kale and liver and you know all the, you know yeah. all the things I read about in the, the I don't know it was kale in the, the Walls Protocol. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, man. Yeah, yeah. So, so all the things that I read in the books, and I'm I'm going out and I'm finding this information. Like, okay, what does this body need? Because I'm I need to be tip top shape because this is who I am. Or am I a person that's more like I'm um, kind of more like a McDonald's kind of well, dollar menu type person? I, you know, I don't. And uh, people don't um, aren't being taught there's a direct link between the food we eat. Uh, and our daily self-care routines and the yep. health we're going to experience. Yeah. So, and, you know, now I see all these mismatched diseases where the diet and lifestyle no longer fits with what our how our DNA evolved. So then we develop acne, we develop high blood pressure, we develop mental health problems, yep. we develop autoimmunity. Which feeds back to the self-worth hypothesis. Which, because you now know, I feel this cells. way, I'm reaffirming that state. Now I have the... And, and we've created an economy that uh, lets us have someone else cook our food for us. Uh, and so fewer and fewer people know how to cook, know how to shop, make menus, uh, design their food. So we uh, have become victim of an industry whose sole purpose is profit, who uh, is making a product that uh, are designed to be hyper-palatable, very tasty, very delicious, very inexpensive, uh, and they're not designed to maximize their nutrition. Yeah. And the consequence, of course, is if you did this to any lab animal or uh, farm animal, if you gave them a, a diet that was nutritionally imbalanced for the rest of their lives, they would develop a lot of diseases. You'd have high veterinary bills uh, and a shorter lifespan. Mm. And so that's what's happening to us. A lot of diseases, higher medical bills, uh, shorter lifespan. In fact, the last three years, our lifespans have been getting shorter. Hmm. I want to come back. Uh, I feel like there's still more juice to be squeezed from the forgiveness thing. And I wonder, uh, what what would you say that the, the mechanics of forgiveness could be if we were writing like a, a, a manual? Well, you know, uh, I think we could start out with gratitude. Because hmm. uh, that's a, a, a process, uh, a muscle that we can exercise. Hmm. So one of the routines that I've developed that I, that I really like, my evening gratitude meditation, where I visualize, and you know, at some point uh, in my life, anywhere from infancy to my current uh, state, someone, my interactions with someone, and I'm thanking them. So I, I may start off with uh, my parents taking care of me as an infant, and I'm uh, thanking them. And then I, I thank them for the various uh, things that they've done for me, and, and I fall off to sleep. Uh, or I may start during my training or during uh, my medical school or my research mentorships. And so I'm, I'm thanking people uh, that improves parasympathetic tone, it improves vagal tone, improves your heart rate uh, variability, and makes some changes in your brain when you exercise that gratitude. And during that process, we are uh, much more willing to forgive ourselves and forgive others who may we may have thought have been hurtful to us but as we get uh, a bigger view hmm. that we may not have uh, the full information we may not know what was going on in their life we we may not understand their pressures or we may not yet understand the gift in that encounter like yeah. you know I explained uh, the gift of my face pain after 27 years of relentless horrific suffering I finally realized that that was a very powerful biological tool giving me feedback about the state of my brain. And now that I pay attention to it and take, and take care of all those early symptoms that I have, 
I don't have any pain. Yeah. But you know, if I don't, if I'm not doing my self cares, if I'm uh, exposed to too many uh, air flights in a month, my face pain will turn on. Mm. If I accidentally get gluten, dairy, or eggs, my face pain will turn on. Are those things special to you, or are these? Are you the canary in the coal mine, coal mine for well, everybody, or just yourself with with some so of those or all of those? Um, not everybody has that particular food sensitivity issue. Yeah. Many will have food sensitivity issues. Uh, in North America, those are the three most common, which is why I have people remove them. Yeah, eggs at least a month, uh, gluten and dairy at least three months, and then you could reintroduce the ingredients one at a time. Why assess- three months and one month? Why three months for gluten? Well, so um, th- it takes three months to fully reset your immune cells. Mm. Uh, and while eggs, I would, I'd prefer that people go three months, but I want them to go at least a month. The uh, casein and gluten, are m- you have a more severe adverse reaction. So I, I don't want people to reintroduce the gluten uh, and uh, casein too early. And actually, I'd prefer that they not reintroduce gluten if you have an autoimmune disease. If you don't have an autoimmune disease, your ideal weight, your spouse and your family says that your mood, in fact, is great, then you probably just need to stress everything I tell you to add. Uh, I would take out the grains because I think I'd much rather you get your carbs from vegetables Hmm. as opposed to the grains. But if you're a vegetarian, I do have different uh, guidance for the vegetarians. What do you think of the French paradox? The whole, are you familiar with that? Oh, yeah. You know, the, the French paradox, the blue zone paradox. So humans, we are adapted to eat a lot of things. Yeah. We can eat protein. We can eat more carbs. Uh, we can survive famine and war mm-hmm. and winter li- living on our fat. What we, can, what we do not do well on is sugar and processed foods. So the uh, French, if they have a high fat diet, they still do fine. Uh, and they don't have as many carbs. Most the the carbs are only from vegetables. And the blue zone folks, they'll they'll eat red meat, they'll eat uh, wheat, they'll eat dairy, and they can have uh, uh, live to a hundred. They're not eating a lot of sugar and processed foods, and they have uh, deep family connections, yep. a lot of exercise, um, and they may have some alcohol, um, which can act as like a ceremony to kind of calm down and relax Correct. and downregulate and bring community together. Bring community together, together, you know, get things, as you say, uh, <laughs> downregulate for the evening. Yeah. So I, I think, in fact, there's evidence that we are adapted to eat a wide variety of diets. We are not adapted to eat sugar. We're not adapted to eat high glycemic food. We're not adapted to have food all the time. We are adapted to a wide variety of diets. I think we do much better if we have intermittent stress. That's mild. We're, so we're stressed with Temperature, yep. or physical activity, or calories and no calories. And then we go through a period of rest and recovery where our cells can repair the damage from that stress, give the signal to rebuild those uh, cellular processes so, so that it's more effective, or the mitochondria are more numerous, or the myocyte is stronger, or the brain has better connections in the synapses. And is then is better prepared for the next mild stress. Mm. And if we do that, that's a very potent anti-aging strategy. And I, I talk about that uh, in, in my book. I spend a lot more time talking about hormesis and fasting uh, strategies and this uh, resilience, which requires intermittent stress. Yeah. That's mild so that you can recover. Then you need a recovery period. And then you need another challenge. So 
I uh, actually am much more intentional about my hormetic stressors. Yeah. I heard recently, uh, I, I was done a uh, interview with a woman yesterday called Sean Korn, who's this like yoga person that she's, she's really fantastic. Her book's actually sitting over there in the cold book. Oh, good. Um, and she defined trauma, not exactly, I'm not going to like paraphrase, but trauma as being a, a stressful situation that you're not able to uh, process or understand or, or cope with. It's like beyond your capacity mm -hmm. to cope or understand. Like, why is this happening? You know, but if we are able to kind of have a relationship with the stress, like a more of a hermetic stress or like in the cold plunge, it's this terrible experience, but like you get it and you're like, okay, I see the benefits from this and I'm able to breathe through it. It's when it's out of our control that I feel you know, defenseless yeah. and defeated and cold and alone and naked and all that stuff. That's when it's like the, the stress becomes... Um, you know, out, out beyond our control. And that's when it gets kind of more slippery, it seems. I don't know. Well, you know, uh, have you read any Marcus Aurelius? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the ver very that. much uh, uh, matches his, his point of view, From uh, I think. Uh, you have a stressful environment that others can't figure out. But if you can see the gift, yeah, the opportunity exactly. in that circumstance. No matter the stress. Then you'll be very resilient. Right. If you can't take the time to reflect on what's going on and see the opportunity, the gifts, then you're going to be in a downward spiral. Yeah, it's like Viktor Frankl, you yes, know, like yes. that search for meaning kind yes, of stuff. Yes, exactly. It's a similar thing. It's like the worst of the worst, you know, or you could say your situation, you know, that's it's like you're like, we're in the low. Uh, things were very difficult. But, you know, even as things were difficult, and I'm having to think like, okay, I can't parent the way I thought. I thought I was going to be taking my kids on adventure yeah. uh, experiences, wilderness experiences, teaching them, uh, martial arts, like, okay, I can't do that. What can I do? Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, I, my kids had to have chores uh, because they had to do more and more as I could do less and less. And I remember uh, my two kids and each at, at very age-appropriate times would come in, they'd be really mad uh, that they had to do the laundry. And, you know, none of my friends know anything about laundry soap. They know nothing about the dryer, nothing about any of this stuff. And they're stamping their feet. And I'm going, yep, that's, that's so unfair. That is so unfair. I, I, I can see why you're upset. But these are your chores. The family depends on you. And I can't do them. It, that's, but it's not fair that I have MS. And that's just how it is. Yeah. And you know, it stamps your feet and say, I think you're glad you have MS. So you can lecture me about chores. <laughs> and of course, they're horrified now that I tell that story. But you know, for young elementary age kids, that's age appropriate. Yeah. But what's unique about that story is I could see, I, you know, this wasn't the circumstances that I wanted. I knew I wanted my kids to have chores. I wanted them to have to have real responsibilities. And God looked down and said, you know what, I'll give you that opportunity. Hmm. And so I took what I had and I figured out, okay, I'm still going to parent. How can I parent this way? And yeah. what I could do is frame life, give them real responsibility, and role model as best I could. Yeah, it seems like something that popped out as you're saying that. And I want to get back to mitochondria, actually. So maybe like bookmark that because I think that's interesting. Um, but just quick, something that you said was focusing on what I can do. Um, and I think it's interesting. We, we only have so much bandwidth of attention, yes. you know, and so you can focus yourself on like, you know, the Zygarnik effect of all the undone things. And I have this and this and this. And, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed. Um, or we can just f choose that bandwidth to be like, okay, well, what can I actually do? And it seems to me like perhaps that might be some valuable. And, and we can all make that choice. Piece. What is the next step yeah. that I can do? Yeah. So mitochondria. 
Mitochondria. What the hell is a mitochondria? Oh, yeah. So, so <laughs> mitochondria are little ancient bacteria th- yeah. that we all have. Yeah. So about a billion and a half years ago, there was too much oxygen in, in the air because of the cyanobacters that were having photosynthesis. And that oxygen uh, oxidized the other uh, single-cell organisms. So about 95% of all life, we think, died. Hmm. Fortunately for us, because of the random mutations that occur in DNA... Over enough millions and trillions of generations, we developed the enzymes for the Krebs cycle and to utilize oxygen very effectively in the cycle of life. And these ancient bacteria were then engulfed by bigger bacteria, and they developed a very symbiotic relationship, which over time became animals, and then eventually mammals, then primates, and then, of course, homo sapiens and us. So we are mitochondria. Well, we have mitochondria that run most of our energy. So all of our cells have these ancient bacteria that are really are now our mitochondria that help us utilize oxygen to burn either sugar or protein or fat more efficiently. And that lets our cells specialize into muscles and bones and gut tissue and hormone, endocrine tissues, uh, brain and nervous tissues. And let us be who we are. If our mitochondria aren't working well, then the tissues begin to not work well. And so you can sort of go down the hierarchy of what suffers first. Your brain, your vision, your heart, your liver, your kidneys, sort of sequentially like that. Mm. As I was reading the the research, because I I saw that my uh, illness really had a progressive nature. I had maybe one relapse, one, maybe two. In the in the twenty, you know, in the now forty years of symptoms that I've had, the real uh, nature was this gradual, steady progression, which led me then I, I should be reading about the progressive neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, Huntington's, and that's what turned me on to mitochondria were the big driver for those diseases, and I, I decided that mitochondria had to be the big driver in MS. And of course now my basic science colleagues are saying yes, mitochondrial dysfunction occurs early in MS and is a big driver of neurodegeneration when it's occurring. So uh, sometimes I hear people talking about like optimizing their mitochondria and it seems like there's almost like this myopic focus. I'm like, I'm doing this for the mitochondria. Is there some way to, I mean, uh, my sense is most things are more systematic, you know, it's, uh, yeah, you know, um, so I'm very fond of the paleo diet. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the paleo diet was not enough to recover me. I started reading the basic science, taking supplements for my mitochondria. And while that was helpful for my fatigue, it did not recover me. Mm. Uh, it wasn't until I redesigned my diet in a very specific way, based on the, the nutrients I, I had identified that were key for mitochondria, and I got them from the food, I got a much more complete comprehensive list of nutrients probably hmm. but as you know, opposed it, to supplements or as opposed to yeah, supplements yeah. and the speed of the recovery once i had redesigned my diet in this very specific way was stunning you know because I, I went from being unable to sit up uh, struggling with some brain fog severe uh, trigeminal pain that was frequent and really difficult to manage can you describe trigeminal pain and, and just what that is and the, the root. Yeah, that yeah. People don't know what that is. So uh, this is occurring from the trigeminal nerve, which uh, comes up to the face, uh, around behind the eye, around the cheek, jaw, nose. Occasionally, it'll get up into the forehead. Hmm. So when someone has trigeminal neuralgia, you have an abnormal sensation in the, that part of your face. 
early on. Then over time, the sensation goes from being abnormal to a little more uh, uncomfortable, electrical. And then the intensity gets more and more and more. I, it, at my worst, so after I'd had this 27 years, when it turned on, if you can imagine a cattle prod with 10,000 volts, mm. and you've put that on an animal, you hear them scream, and they jump away. So if you imagine somebody putting a uh, live electrical wire onto your face and zapping you with 10,000 volts. So I have an involuntary grunt. Now I'll show you what this would look like. Yeah, watch the camera. Okay. So uh, I'd get a jolt. So there'd be an involuntary grimace, um, groan. Uh, eventually, sometimes it would be severe enough that I couldn't maintain muscle tone and I would fall to the floor. Uh, light would trigger it. Sound would trigger it. Uh, a breeze on my face could trigger it. If my children were trying to comfort me, because you know, the tears are just coming down my face, and I'm doing all that I can to not grimace and pull away with their touch because that's not the message I want to teach my kids. Mm. But of course, they're touching me. It was triggering more uh, of these pains. Mm. Um, what uh, my wife would do would, when my pain would turn on, she would get the kids up and uh, take them to uh, a friend's house, say you know that my face pains were on, and so she'd take the, fr the kids and the dogs out of the house so they wouldn't have to watch uh, the level of suffering that I was having. Mm. And then I'd, uh, she'd call and uh, plead to get me into the pain clinic. I'd go in and get my pain injections. Then I'd go up to the infusion center to get the high-dose steroids. Uh, and you know, by the summer of 07, uh, uh, when it turned on, I'd be going to uh, get the injections every day, going to get the infusions every day. And it would take about five days of infusions to get things turned off. And you know, normally, uh, that's three days is your high-dose induction. So. Five uh, was a lot, a whole lot. What have you learned about love and your relationship with your wife through all of this? Well, um, love is a verb. Hmm. Love is all those actions, all of that day-to-day. Uh, -day. Uh, in, in all of this, in 2006, uh, my wife was out uh, biking during the winter and uh, had a bike accident and broke her ankle. So uh, she's home. We got her home uh, from the ER. Uh, uh, she's, uh, her leg's in a splint. She's going to have to have surgery in a couple days. Um, we, uh, our kids are in Sweden, so it's just Jack and I. Uh, and I am thrilled that I can finally wait on Jackie you know, with my serious limitations, getting her pain pills, readjusting uh, the pillows, uh, and helping her through all of this. So I, I, I so appreciate her love, my kids' love, and I'm so grateful when there's a small opportunity for me to serve her back. Hmm. But love is absolutely a verb. Hmm. So I would imagine your relationship would have to go beyond superficiality, like well beyond Yeah, that. and um, it, it's certainly true for people with uh, progressive illnesses, uh, the nature of that relationship, how can you maintain the relationship, yeah. uh, maintain the communication, the love, and not devolve into 
uh, you know, someone saying, okay, I've had it. This is too exhausting. I can't deal with all of the challenges that your disability is bringing to this relationship. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'd say the um, men who have MS are more likely to have the spouse stay with them. The women who have MS are certainly at higher risk to have their spouse uh, leave them. Although, you know, in my patients, uh, in my clinics, my clinical trials, we certainly have met, because uh, uh, most of my f folks who are coming to see me are still partnered, and I see some extraordinary relationships and a lot of love and devotion on both sides. Yeah. So with uh, the nutritional stuff, so yeah. you went in and you were looking at all like the, the, the supplements that you were recommended and yeah. medications as well? And kind of seeing, was it medications as well or just supplements? So... I was still taking the disease-modifying drugs. Yeah. I was adding the supplements. I'm still going downhill, although more slowly. Yeah. I take the neuroprotection course. I get a longer list of supplements, a deeper understanding of what I could be doing. Um, I resume my daily meditations. Uh, I'm working closely with my physical therapist, uh, slowly expanding my, my workouts. And then I had this aha, like, I should redesign my paleo diet yeah. based on what I've learned on the key nutrients. So that was more research to figure out, okay, how should, what should that diet look like? So now instead of just focusing on what I shouldn't eat, I was now focused on what I needed to be eating. And this relates to neurological function, to for, neurological function for, yeah. for yourself and all humans? Yeah, I would say myself and all humans. Now, so you know, what's, it, what's the primary? So the primary we thing is uh, we're going to moderate the meat um, and uh, we uh, have more non-starchy vegetables, lots more greens, uh, more uh, cabbage, onion, mushroom family vegetables, and more deeply colored things like uh, berries, beets, carrots. Any particular uh, mushrooms? Uh, ones that are not poisonous. Good. <laughs> That's the it's key like thing. It's like lion's mane or something. It's like yeah. a hot topic these days. Yeah, so, right? but, you know, so lion's mane is a hot topic, but yeah. there's actually uh, quite a few mushrooms that will stimulate nerve growth factors. It's huh. not just lion's mane. Right. Um, so lion's mane, cordyceps, uh, uh, chagas, reishi, um, turkey towel. Uh, my advice is have a wide variety of foods. Mm. Our, our ancestral mothers and fathers would have had 200 different plant species in a year. Mm. So my goal is to have 200 uh, in a year. And now I pay attention to having more diversity in my spices and my teas and more diverse vegetables. So, you know, I should be able to get to 100 within a week by being very intentional. Uh, and so, yes, have mushrooms. A wide variety of mushrooms. Yeah. Have vegetables. A wide variety of vegetables. Um, when I when I uh, figured out, it, you know, I put into the greens, the sulfur-rich, and the colored category. Uh, that helps. Uh, makes sure that you have a wide mix. The greens are for um, the the carotenoids, the magnesium, and the vitamin K, because your bacteria will take the vitamin K from the plants, convert it to the um, K2 MK7. We'll absorb that in the distal part of the small bowel. In the liver, we'll metabolize it further to K2MK4. And we now know in the brain, that stimulates uh, brain stem cells. It stimulates the oligodendrocytes. It helps support remyelination. And so when I first uh, started ramping up my greens in the huge, huge kale salads, cooked greens, man, I was eating a huge amount of greens. And, and so, and then when I recovered so I could start traveling and I couldn't eat that amount of greens within 24 hours I could tell my energy was dropping hmm. so I was like okay um, then I started learning to 
bring a head of cabbage with me. And I'd, uh, so, and I, you could order uh, greens uh, brought to you. Know, because, I mean, I eat a tremendous amount of uh, vegetables uh, every day, non-starchy ones. And so I, I travel with cabbage. Yeah. I mean, it's like, that was an abrupt, on my part, abrupt transition from like love and all that to nutrition. But I think they're the same thing in a sense. Like I feel like love and touch and community and gratitude it yep. seems yes. as though, as far as like research goes, it's like I don't really see a, a division. They're, they're absolutely all connected, it's, and it's yeah. all really part of self-care. Yeah. You, you want to have um, we, the vast majority of us, are very social. Mm. That we need to have some social connection. A, v- a very few people are solitary, and they're and they're perfectly fine being solitary. If you are lonely, that is a very inflammatory. Uh, condition and that will accelerate whatever disease processes you have. Being, we need to be connected. But Can we ameliorate the sensation of loneliness through our mouths, like through nutrition? Because if there is that is an inflammatory process, could we somehow ameliorate that inflammation in the well, brain or what have you to kind of open us up to relationship? Well, certainly, if your brain is inflamed because you're eating a terrible diet, terrible lifestyle, you're far more irritable. Mm-hmm. It's hard to connect to people. Or yourself. If, or yourself. Your uh, reactive, explosive, you know, uh, 90% of our brain is inhibitory. And so you know, our, our brain is just way too reactive. If we improve our nutrition, and families tell me this very consistently, irritability goes down. Family relationships improve. Our ability to connect improves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my, my, I saw this time and time again at the VI. Uh, we'd have young men come in with erectile dysfunction, uh, pain, uh, and a uh, variety of symptoms, sometimes with a diagnosis, sometimes without. We'd get them o- onto diet and lifestyle, and they'd come back, and uh, the guys who implement the program, uh, they and their spouse would, would tell us that uh, he's much less irritable, and say, yes, uh, he, people, it's much easier to get along with people. Uh, and then if they would stay with it, they'd come back and say, you know, and you're right, my love life is better. Mm-hmm. And my relationship with my wife is much better. Yeah. yeah, and it's probably because that irritability has gone down. Yep. Uh, because we, we have to have our brain functioning well to keep that impulsive uh, negative reaction that I have to you under control, so I can see the bigger picture. That yeah, you know, it was fine. You had you had uh, a reason to for that remark. It's not a big deal. Yeah. But I have to have a little bit of impulse control, so I don't react negatively if I think you said something that was annoying. Yeah. You end up being like a, a, a seeker of annoying. Right. I, I you, you, you accelerate the fire as opposed to just let it, it was not a big deal. Yeah. I, what's popping up for me, like a metaphor that's popping up is it's almost as though that inflammation is like a, like a dark cloud over your cells, your joints, your consciousness. And there was, yes. a, there was an interesting <coughs> metaphor that I got from Ram Das, who I'm like a big fan of. Yes. And uh, it was, you know, like a painter. They made a painting and they have this big storm cloud in it, you know, and then on the edges of the storm cloud, there's there's the blue sky. And then they put a frame around the painting yeah. and it covers up the edges. And so all you see is just this grayness. And it's like from the painting's perspective, you're like, oh, it's just life is gray and it's dark and this is just the way it is but then if you pull the frame back you see behind that it's like oh that's just this 
this dark cloud that I've been or, yeah. that that I've been in. But behind all of that is is you know, something more you expansive. Know, and you know, many of my parents who um, embrace the protocol for one of their uh, children who have uh, challenging issues discover when they help their child get their diet right, get rid of the junk food, start eating these radical things known as vegetables, a new kid emerges. Yeah, the frame starts getting pulled back. Correct. And so that child is less reactive, less angry, uh, the behavior uh, improves, and suddenly um, their academic performance improves. And the kid is saying things like, I love you, Mom, mm. for the first time, or I love you, Dad. Mm. And, you know, the parents come, come in crying because their their life has been transformed, and they understand uh, the children's future has been transformed. Yeah. Where does movement come into the, all this neurological talk? Well, you know, if we aren't moving, uh, then we aren't making the necessary nerve growth factors for our brain. Hmm. Uh, and there's more and more evidence that movement uh, is critical to maintain brain health, to uh, prevent accelerated aging. So absolutely uh, movement. And uh, the other thing that's really interesting is, so w we could do calisthenics, we could do, you know, structured exercise, and that's really good. But playing outside, hiking outside... Yep doing, uh, moving uh, meditations where you have to react to another person, um, such as martial arts or ballroom dancing, much more powerful. Four square. Yeah, four square would be good. Yeah, play, fun, man. I was competitive. Playing outside sports. Yep. You, know, I, I, you know, I did taekwondo, full contact taekwondo. I oh, loved good. it. It was exhilarating. So, uh, and, you know, playing, hiking outside, mountain biking, cross-country skiing, where you have to interact with your environment. Powerful stuff. Yeah. Sitting, playing, video gaming, social media, terrible stuff. Yeah. There's almost like a similar analogy with like the entourage effect that you were kind of describing before of eating whole food to get the you know, the supplement aspects of it, yeah. but it's, you get that entourage of the rest of all of the constituents that are actually very helpful. There's a similar yeah. thing with the entourage effect, you could say, of doing your, you know, movement or exercise or fitness or whatever outside um, because you're getting that, you know, you're getting the trees and you're getting the fight insides. You're breathing in all the chemicals. Yes, and if you do it, and if you do it barefoot, you're, and you're, you're doing grounding. the barefoot. And you're getting grounding. You're getting sun, and you're, you know, you're also getting that adaptation, that that visual adaptation where you're looking out of the distance. You're also seeing new uh, variety of birds going or traffic or whatever, Correct. as opposed to being in that similar like supplement version of fitness where it's the same room, it's the same air temperature, it's no sun. It's like it's like the supplement form of fitness. It's really fascinating. That, that's. Uh, Excellent observations. Yeah. Excellent yeah. observations. Yeah. Is there anything else that uh, people are missing with neurological function? It stands Sleep. out that we haven't covered Sleep. here. Oh, yeah. Sleep. It's a big one. So uh, I'm easily activated. I, for years, thought, if, so what if you only get four hours of sleep at night? There's a lot to do. Um, besides, I was doing all this reading, so I had to, um, I thought I didn't need that sleep. I, and eventually, I, as I'm doing more reading, I appreciate that sleep is so important to healthy brain function, yeah. to our uh, consolidation of memories, to clearing of toxins. I've been much more devoted to good sleep hygiene, getting to bed at consistent times, uh, using blue blocking glasses, yeah. um, and you know, uh, doing my uh, cold uh, soaks in the evening. And Why do you do that? Why do I do that? Cold stuff, yeah. 
Well, it's another part of my hormesis. So I do the saunas in the morning uh, for my uh, warm hormesis, and then I often uh, try and fit in a uh, cold bath uh, with me and my uh, ice in the bath, and I'll read for 20 minutes. Uh, that lowers core temperature. It will make it easier to fall asleep, uh, have deeper sleep. Um, this is great for lowering your inflammatory cytokines. I also have restless legs. This is a great way to reduce the symptoms from restless legs. So, you know, it, depending on my routine, I, I don't, don't always have the ability to fit that into my evening. But there's no question when I do that cold uh, soak in the evening, uh, I sleep much better. Mm. Although my wife says I have to stay on my side the bed that because she doesn't want to have my cold legs. Are there any other kind of like traditions or anchors that you have around good sleep? Darkness, yeah. uh, meditation, my uh, uh, gratitude uh, uh, meditation. Uh, and then I also like to use some essential oils such as lavender, mm. chamomile. Yeah, you're breaking down my book. Yeah, this is good. <laughs> you're breaking down your book probably as well. Yeah, you, yeah, you have that, yeah, that, that yeah, part in there yeah, particularly? Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, well, I yeah. love it. You know, and then I also talk a lot about um, uh, science of behavior change. Yeah. Because we're, you and I, we understand that health behaviors create health. Uh, helping people to change their current behaviors to healthier behaviors is a big ask because we're addicted to our current sedentary lifestyle and <laughs> comforts and convenience. So thinking a lot about uh, what were the factors that helped my uh, vets be so successful. Uh, and we talk about uh, the science of behavior change and uh, about the uh, behavior change model that we use. Why is it that a person, an animal, gets addicted to a behavior that is destructive? Well, so our hierarchy of behavior appears to be that we will seek, we'll uh, avoid severe immediate pain. We'll avoid not so severe pain. And then we're attracted to pleasure. Um, and we that's all of these things for in the immediate are far more valuable to us than in the future. And we also work to avoid loss. So biologically, um, we seek pleasure, which is, which is good because that's why we have sex. That's why we eat. That's really necessary for propagation of the species. Hmm. Those are important things. Not to mention it moves you. It moves you in, in all sorts of good ways. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's Move a lot you. of fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we will do things for the immediate benefit at the expense of future gain. Right. Uh, and we've been doing that for a long time. Uh, and our uh, society's created an economic system where you can make products that meet our pleasure needs and our attention needs, uh, and we're vulnerable to that. Uh, so they can spend a lot of t money on their PhD research scientists to design a product to make it more and more rewarding, mm. more and more attractive, uh, so that we overconsume that food, that leisure activity such as social media or gaming, uh, at the expense of future benefit. Mm. So if, if we're going to ask people to forego some of that pleasure, that's a huge, huge, huge ask. Yep. Uh, and so I sort of break down what are the ways to help people be motivated to be interested in giving up that pleasure today for benefit tomorrow and how to teach them to become aware of their biosensor, like my face pain. That's an indication that their physiology is working well or not, so they, they have some internal monitors. And uh, how to help them link into what's that inner purpose that makes it worth doing this work. Hmm. 
what's that big goal that they have that would make it worth doing this work to them? Yeah. Or that to admit that, you know, it's it's not the right time. And my response is, that's fine. Come back when it is. Yeah. I think it's like kind of, well, we got to wrap this thing up, but it's kind of like come back to the, the Marcus Aurelius Stoic stuff. It's like gaining relationship with yourself of the future. Mm-hmm. You know, like be the friend of yourself when you're 20 years older. Like have yeah. tea with him or her. Oh, yeah, like, that's, like, that's what, lovely. Yeah. You know, like, what are you, like, what are you, like, coach me up, coach. Like, we're... What should we be doing? Like, yeah. we sleep? Okay, I think that makes sense. Like, yeah. why? It's yeah. like, well, well, now I've got this adrenal fatigue thing, and would have been great if we addressed this 25 years ago. Right. You know, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting thought. So if I if I have my tea with myself in another 20 years, yeah. what would I, my future self be saying yeah. about uh, how I'm prioritizing right now? Yeah, what do you think? Well, they'd probably say, you know, if, you're, if your son who's getting married has kids... You're going to really regret if you don't spend enough time with those grandchildren. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I necessarily have any, but I have. I can hope that perhaps someday either my son or daughter will elect to have kids. Yeah. And if not, that there'll be other young people um, that we could mentor and enjoy. Mm. Um, I have a person that's listening now helping me make this podcast better. And one of the things she suggested is we have like finished with some kind of takeaway points for people yes yes um if there's anything that you could encapsulate you know like a couple few whatever bullet points of like from this conversation there's anything in general like what would you love for people to go home with? well i want people to swap out their sugar and grains processed foods for vegetables and learn how to cook Mm. Uh, that would be huge and then i want to acknowledge that it's hard to give up those addictive pleasures absolutely it's hard uh, to be willing to go on this journey it's much easier if we can tap into your inner purpose. So reflect on what do you want your health for? Hmm. And what's your next big, hairy, audacious goal? And then you might look on to, and how would improving your health support that goal? Yeah. And then what little next micro step can we take? Yeah, the why. Mm-hmm. Cool. Where should people go from here? Get your book. Well, go get my book. It'll change your life. I'll put this out uh, around that time. So yeah, yeah that'll be good. Today's date is around March 13th. March 17th. March 17th. So you Sorry. can get it in bookstores. You could come to uh, terrywalls.com, uh, pick it up there. You could um, think about coming to my seminar, uh, the Walls Protocol Seminar. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people come where they learn from me how to implement these concepts and from some other folks. Hopefully we'll have you come in 2021. I look forward to it. Um, uh, And so we have people come back year after year to learn these concepts, and we practice skill building in terms of how I define what's important to me, uh, my big, hairy, audacious goal, uh, and how we also have skill building around how to cook at home, how to make this affordable, how to begin moving when perhaps... You've not been moving because you've been so challenged by your health issues. Uh, uh, we uh, often have um, uh, forgiveness sessions because uh, people may have to do what I did, which was forgive myself uh, for some of the poor choices I made as a youngster. Mm. It's it's a, an amazing experience. Um, uh, so we have more and more people coming. That's uh, wonderful. And um, we are working to, uh, again, to expand the different kinds of ways that we can offer support to people in this healing journey. But we'll have all of that on terrywalls.com. Cool. Thanks so much. 
You're welcome. I so greatly appreciate this. I, I wonder, I suspect we might be do the cold plunge after this. Yeah, we're going to go do that cold plunge. Good. It'll I be like good. that. Uh, thank you all for so much for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. If you all found something fascinating and interesting from this conversation, uh, you could tag myself at Align Podcast and yes. Dr. Terry Walls at where? So, uh, on Instagram. Instagram is Dr. Terry Walls, D R T E R R Y W A H L S. Love it. And I would love to hear what y'all thought. A little takeaway tip. I will, there's a good chance I'll reshare it. We'll see. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for making time. Sounds good. I appreciate it. All right. Off the cold plunge over now. Pow. Thank you so much for tuning in to that delectable episode with. My homegirl, Dr. Terry Walls. Highly recommend grabbing her book, The Walls Protocol, which is out this week, uh, her revised and expanded edition. Uh, so if you have the old one, uh, this one's got some new goodness and is also revised in general. So recommend checking that thing out. If you enjoyed this episode or any specific insights, you can tag me or Dr. Terry Walls on the Instagram. I'm in a line podcast and uh, tag some little takeaway that you got from this that was helpful for you. And there's a good chance one or both of us will repost that thing. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for grabbing the Align Method book. And thanks for starting the Align Method online program, seven-day free trial, where we get into morning routines, we get into breath practices, we get into self-care fundamentals, how to take care of that body of yours, especially in this interesting time, and also how to integrate better movement into your life. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will see you this coming Thursday. <laughs>